Ahead of the Manchester derby, it's worth reflecting on the passing of a true legend of the sport. So Bobby Charlton was not only one of the greatest players that English football has ever produced, he was also arguably England's first global football superstar. His exploits in winning the World Cup in 1966 and the European Cup two years later saw his fame reach well beyond the island, but he retained his humility and his dignity. His long-range shooting and his ability to dominate a game will, of course, live long in the memory. But more importantly, this was a man of true strength. To emerge from the wreckage of the Munich air disaster and play professional football at all was remarkable. To build the elite career that he did is truly the stuff of legend. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. A massive game at Old Trafford on Sunday as Manchester United take on Manchester City. We've put together a very special tipping team for it. Mark O'Hare, Mark Stinchcombe and Emmett O'Keefe joined by former Manchester United striker and Betfair ambassador Dimitar Berbatov. Berber, just a word before we start on the game itself, just a word on Sir Bobby Charlton. The reaction around the football world to his passing has been so warm and so respectful. What was your experience of the great man? Well, I mean, it was it was a sad day for everybody when we when we heard the news because Sir Bobby was someone that was not only respected uh, in Manchester, in England, United fans, but I think globally, all over the world, because there are some some human beings that you you can see that they bring the nobility with them, you know, and you, you can see the aura of, of them, how they talk, how they move around. And him, it was great that I have the privilege to see him when I was playing for United. He was there with us, uh, you know, before games, after games, if we lose a game or we win a game in the training ground, just in and out of, of the place. And just it was great to be in the presence of, of greatness because I think his legacy will live forever. And everything that happened in his life, with the crash and then rebuilt everything and go on the top, uh, winning the trophies. It's it's a it's a stuff of legend to be honest. And you know everybody's saddened by the news, but again, the legacy of, of this man of Sir Bobby will live forever. Berber, looking ahead to Sunday's match um, from a Manchester United perspective, they've won the last three matches, but. You look at the wins against Brentford, Sheffield United and FC Copenhagen, they've all been quite scrappy and quite unconvincing too. So would you say Manchester United will go into this game with confidence, the fact that they're winning uh, through narrow margins, or will they be a little bit more concerned about the levels of performance in recent fixtures? I think you have a point there, because even though there's there were wins, uh, it cannot hide the fact that there were cracks in the, in the, in the way United plays, especially in the defence especially in the last game game against Copenhagen, where you can see clear goal-scoring opportunity for Copenhagen. And if you play a position where the quality is not as big and you know you can make mistakes and they are not going to score against you, that's not the case when you play against City or a team like City. Because if you do silly mistakes and you're not organized well, 
and you you're not uh, and you're not fitting between each other on the pitch how to cover yourself then if you do mistakes like this city are going to punish you that's for sure so my only advice and hope is that united are going to take the lessons from the games uh and try to take compact as they can and for sure don't make silly mistakes that's the simple advice someone you can give don't make silly mistakes because city have the quality and the patience to control the game the ball and to punish you as simple as that a bourbon, more of a kind of yeah, not a general general question here. I was just wondering when a team is maybe struggling or a manager is maybe struggling a bit, like Eric Ten Hag is at Man United. Is there like are the players kind of complaining on WhatsApp about the manager? Are the kind of players kind of set talking about his tactics and maybe thinking about going to change his tactics? Or is it more of a case that players are just waiting to see if the manager can turn around? Well, the players always talk between each other. Always. Yeah. Uh it doesn't matter if it's a win or a lose, or it doesn't matter. You always chat between each other, always express your feelings. And then uh, if in the team, there are big players with big egos, players who are not afraid to express their opinion inside the dressing room at front of the manager, then of course, at some point, if you want to say something uh, as a team, uh, the captain or two or three players who are the big players who knows how to speak will go to the manager and talk with it with him about uh what the problem is if there is a problem or whatever if not then for example ten hack at, at the moment probably he knows what he wants what he's doing and of course he's going to be speaking with the most experienced player uh, on the training ground after the matches uh in his office of course and he's going to have their opinion one way or another. He's going to have their opinion. But ultimately, in the end, it's what the manager wants. He's going to listen probably to the players, uh, pick some of their opinion, see if he can use them for the good of the team and his vision. And if it's not good, then he's going to stick with his vision. If if what he hear from the players uh, is good, then he's going to take it and put it into, into play. And, and And that's it. Further, on the Football Only Better podcast, we like to bet on cards. Do you think the Manchester Derby rivalry is as intense now as it was when you played in it? Well, a derby is a derby, to be honest. Now, probably the difference is, unfortunately, for everybody who is connected with United, that back in the day, it was United City. Now... It's the other way around, unfortunately. City is here, United needs to catch up to them. But it doesn't matter where you're in the table, it's still a Manchester derby. So everybody will be ready for it. Uh, everybody will want to win it because if you win the derby, obviously the fans will be going strong all week long. And then you have that confidence that you have done one over your rival. It's always good for the morale. It's always good for the morale. But... It will be not good if United win it and then you have two losses in a row or three or bad results or whatever. What's the point? You go, you win, and you need to win all of them. Basically, it's difficult, but still, you stay concentrated. No mistakes, I'll repeat again. And especially when you play a rival, you go there fully concentrated and you try to win. And here it's about the win. It's not about the beautiful way of playing football. You want to win no matter what. 
And just finally, Bird, but one from me on Erling Haaland because his numbers at international level, at club level, in the Champions League, you name it, are really quite remarkable. I mean, you're pretty much talking a goal a game, if not in some competitions, better than a goal a game. I mean, what do you make of him? Striker to striker, as somebody who knows what it takes to score goals at the highest level, I mean, he's quite a remarkable character, isn't he? He's a machine. He's a machine. He's that type of player that comes uh, from time to time in the world of football that you know it's special. Like him, Bappe, you see these type of players, they have that talent. They just know how to play the game. Uh, and with him, the goals speak for themselves. Uh, but not only that, he brings other other type of, of, uh, of problem to the defense when he's facing them, you know. He's strong. He's powerful. He's direct. He's good with his head, left foot, right foot again. And he's a nuisance. You know, when you when you face him, basically the defenders probably will have a headache, you know. And Haaland knows that. He knows that everybody, in a way, doesn't want to face, face him. And he take advantage of it because you can sense it when you go into the pitch that some defenders may be afraid of you. Some don't want to face you or challenge you. Some will try to challenge you and kick the shit out of you, of course. But you <laughs> you embrace this. You embrace, you test yourself. And at the moment, you mean he's one of the best at what he's doing, you know. And so, as I said, he, the guy's a machine. The guy's a machine. Even if he doesn't score one or two games, it doesn't matter. He's still there and he's trying the best for the team. And I can see that he's scoring so many goals for the city in the future, you know. It's going to be great to watch. But thanks so much for joining us throughout the weekend here on Football Only Better. Hopefully, we'll be able to speak to you soon. See you later, guys. So, Mark Berber makes some good points there about the strength of Erling Haaland and also the fact that Manchester United, as you suggested, even though they've had a run of results recently, they're still far from the team they want to be under Eric Ten Hag and the team they were at times last season. Yeah, um, if you're a results man, you'd be speaking positively about Man United. Um, but if you're post-process-driven, you have to be concerned with all three of those victories against Brentford, Sheffield United and FC Copenhagen. You're right, they're, they're a million miles away from the side that they want to be. Um, how they managed to pull off three wins on the spin based on those performances is anyone's guess, really, because, you know, the late show against Brentford, even against the Blades, you needed that. Superb late Dallow goal uh, against Copenhagen in midweek. They were second best. Um, you've got Harry Maguire scoring a header and Andre Anana saving a, a last minute penalty. And, you know, but across the, the balance of play, they were second best against FC Copenhagen at Old Trafford. It's very, very alarming. And, you know, for large periods, there was there was no obvious kind of style, no pattern of play. And I think that's what's quite alarming to me, really, and, and should be quite concerning to Eric Ten Hag. Is it's just hard to see what they're trying to achieve at the minute. And obviously a home derby game against City could uh, or should rally and kind of raise the troops a little bit. They did win this fixture last season, but, you know, they were in much, much better place going into that game last year than they are right now, uh, where they look fragile, they look directionless. They need an enormous improvement to, to match City. Um, and City need to be having an off day, really, for, for United to, to stand a chance the way things are going at the minute. So... You know, City have won this game seven of the last 12 times at Old Trafford. Um, they're not fearful about going away to United. And I think the odds reflect that at 173 for the away win, which is fair enough, really. Uh, to make it more palatable, I'm going to include under four and a half goals. Gets us an even money shot here on the away team. 
the reason being City themselves haven't been the kind of swashbuckling, free-scoring side of, of yesteryear. Uh, in fact, the majority of the matches this season have been quite underwhelming, quite um, uninspiring for, for neutrals, really. They're, they're lacking the same sort of verve that I guess myself and many other neutrals kind of enjoyed when City were dominating games. They haven't been quite as easy on the eye and it appears to be a shift in mentality or approach from Pep Guardiola to be more controlled and straggle teams even further, really. And, you know, you look at the the first nine Premier League games, they've scored 19 goals, a decent tally. But last season, they'd scored 10 goals more than this season at the same stage. Strip out penalties, they're averaging just 1.6 expected goals per game. Seven sides have got a better MPXG return so far. That includes Brentford, that includes Everton. And actually, if you look at their the goal times that they're scoring at, seven sides have scored more often uh, than City after the hour mark. Uh, the likes of the Liverpool, Newcastle, Villa, Arsenal, Brighton. To me, it's shown, it shows that City are trying to establish a lead, sit on it rather than kind of go for the jugular, strangle sides, be more cold, be more calculated, uh, and controlled really. So, And we can see that in the defensive metrics too. They're conceding just 6.78 shots per game in the Premier League which is a whole three shots better than the next best. Um, so understandably, they're sort of leading all the the defensive stats in terms of XG, shots on target, shots in the box. So it's quite surprising to see they've only managed three league clean sheets this season. But um, yeah, I guess it all kind of comes together here to me, for me to be pro-City uh, and oppose a, a high-scoring game. Uh, I'd be surprised if this match escalated into a, a shootout. It's not been the City way so far this season. Yeah, but we make no secret of the fact that you're a Manchester United fan. It can't be a comfortable watch at the moment. No, um, it's an awful watch. I think it's just just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of. I think as as a fan, I consider myself on the more knowledgeable end of, of the United fans. And, and under previous managers, I never really believed. As in, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ha- had had no track record pre-United, like a bar, kind of a decent spell at Molde, but he was he was appointed as a caretaker and appointed for his United links and kind of pl- playing on nostalgia and the kind of nonsense kind of values that epitomize the kind of Edward Re- regime United. Not 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 this oh Jose Mourinho before him had like obviously had a good track record, but there were signs in his kind of spell around Madrid and the way things ended at Chelsea that he was kind of falling behind the tactical evolution football and his kind of reactive style of play was at odds the way the game was going under 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 Klopp and uh Klopp Klopp and Guardiola. So I, I kind of I always I never felt I always thought even the good times there it, it was fool's gold. I'm getting to my point here is that under Ten Hag I genuinely believed last season that I think he, with his track record of the Ajax, the style of football he was trying to play, I thought, I thought, I thought United were on the road to somewhere. Even though last season United's XG data suggested they were a bit lucky to finish top four, I still felt this season with Onana coming in and him kind of fully implementing that style of play that there will be an improvement. So, so to see what the results have been is, is just so disappointing. Like 15, 15 points in nine Premier League games doesn't tell the story. Or, or like whether it's expected goal, expected points or expected goal difference. United are eleventh in the Premier League. They've lost at home to Galatasaray in the Champions League and scraped by Copenhagen, giving up fourteen shots in the process. As Mark said, United do nothing well. They don't. They don't. They don't press well at all. Like they're. My teams, they're so easy to play against. I was kind of thinking about it during the week. If you look at the kind of, what to me, what's characterised 
the Liverpool and Man City success or, or, or under Klopp and Guardiola, one of the biggest things is work right from the wide players. It's like how many Sadio Mane and Firmino turn, turning over players high up the pitch. Bernardo Silva leaving the press, leaving the press, and kind of and and as Gary Neville said, Guardiola getting the most skillful players in the world to work like dogs. I think yeah. like you just don't see that from Man United at all. Like Marcus Rashford, like he, like, like he just doesn't make any kind of big defensive plays. Anthony kind of similarly, I think that's that's really lacking in terms in terms of the press and makes you know it easy to play against. And then like you're playing against Man City and Erling Haaland, Alvarez, and your your first choice centre half pairing is Harry Maguire and Raphael Varane. Like I think Raphael Van is not the player you see in the team sheet. He's not the the player who was arguably I think France's best player when they won the World Cup. And as Peak was one of the best players, he's not that player anymore. I think I think he needs a kind of a quicker player like like Martinez beside him to kind of to, to really just kind of see the see, see the best of him. So I think United you know, are extremely vulnerable there and given the lack of pace in in defence, I think they have no no other option but to play kind of a, a low block and I hope they can hope Hoyland Holland and Rashford can kind of pull something off on the on on the counter attack. Um but like the, the I guess the only thing I would say like Mark said, they, they're, you know, again, the, my, my hope is that that city approach this in a very conservative way, and maybe like the nature of it, if it's a kind of a low-scoring game where City aren't aren't really pushing, as you never know. I only want to take one goal if you know it's kind of nick nick kind of a fluky point, like as uh, as Mark kind of mentioned, like against Arsenal away from home, City had four attempts on goal. Like they'd under half a goal expected goals. I think we saw in the Champions League first leg last year, like away at Leipzig, um, away at the Bernabeu. Like Guardiola went really, really conservative. And we could be seeing kind of a bit of a shift in terms of the style of play that City employs. A bit similar to kind of Laker, Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson would have kind of... Had a few after a few scarring defeats in the Champions League, most notably by Real Madrid in the kind of early two thousands, saw a real tactical shift where he was kind of playing players like Parchi Sung wide and kind of and like playing Wayne Rooney as nearly like an auxiliary fullback wide to kind of let Ronaldo have have kind of to have free reign up front. I think kind of as as he got older, I think Ferguson definitely got more conservative. So it, it is interesting. I think that we could be seeing kind of Guardiola kind of f- f- following a similar pattern. Um, in terms of the the match price in this game, I definitely would lean City, but I think probably a stronger bet at a kind of a bigger price is Rodri to score at around fifteen to two. I mentioned in the previous kind of podcast he's averaging two point two shots per game this season. That's better than Phil Foden. It's fairly similar to Rasmus Hoyland in the league this season. So that kind of that shows you the level he's at. I think if you're backing these goals, score your bets. You want a guy who gets who gets shots off to give yourself give yourself a chance. Uh, he's already scored three times this season in all competitions, and as we saw last season, he's definitely a man to score uh, to score for the big occasion. Scored crucial goals against Bayern, and then obviously in the Champions League final as well. So I think uh, Rodri to score at a big price is the way I'd look here. Stinch, what do you make of this Manchester derby? Because it's quite a, an intriguing clash, isn't it? Yeah, I think at the prices, I don't think you can trust either of these teams right now. So I want to delve into a Marco Hare favourite and look at the cards. The card line is set at 4.5 and I think I don't think we've touched on it yet this season about the the basically the new rule changes that we've seen and how it's affected the the card totals in the Premier League. So the the rule changes have been implemented to to clamp down on things like deliberate time wasting 
and foul play across the the English across all of English football, and that includes uh, referees taking zero tolerance approach towards blatant attempts by players to waste time, disrupt the flow of the matches, cynical delaying of, of opposition free kicks, etc. And what that means, so far we've seen 417 yellow cards in the 90 games. That's 4.63 per game. Last season's average was 3.62. So we're seeing an increase of 28%. And given the, the card line is set at 4.5 for this game, generally a Premier League game, you look at last season, you look at a card line, or historically you look at a card line of 3.5. So for a derby, you know, happy to you know raise it by a card and go to 4.5. But with this increase, with the new rules, I think it's very, very attackable, basically. Um, last time they met in the FA Cup final, there were two each. And it was the same referee as well. So I can easily see this uh, increasing and in landing. Uh, Paul Turney was, uh, is the ref. Um, he's only averaging 4.4 yellows, but that's only through five games. So n- not big enough sample size. And, you know, just to, to show what he can do. Uh, last time out, Bournemouth v Wolves, eight cards and one red. So uh, could be in line for something similar. If you look at him last season... Obviously, pre the new rules in the big games, Liverpool v Spurs, five cards. Liverpool v Arsenal, eight cards. Man United v Arsenal, six cards. Spurs v Arsenal, six cards. And even Leeds v Man United, nine cards. So there is the massive potential for for him to show uh, a whole flurry of them. Uh, And we're not even in December yet. Um, So you can back over 4.5 cards at four to six. Not the sexiest of prices, but one bet I do quite like if you don't, want to back that at something a little bit juicier is both teams to have over 2.5 cards at three to one um i make it a lot closer to two to one and and here basically if if the car if the the bet wins on the 4.5 of five cards when you we're only sort of asking for one more card and then you know an even sort of split it's very rare nowadays you get um especially in, t- in games that are fairly well balanced you get like a one team having you know 80% of the card share, for example. So, yeah, I really like that angle. Worth bearing in mind, you can get a free bet when you play, say, £5 bet builder on Manchester United against Manchester City. Opt-in required. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgambleaware.org. So we're going to put together our very own bet builder ahead of the game. Mark, let's start with you. I'll keep it simple, then. I'll back Man City to win. Uh, Emmett, what have you got for us? I was I was thinking thinking on those lines myself. Um, I'll go with Rodri to have a shot on target. He's average actually averaging over two shots per game this season. And I think and uh, I think I think and again the Man City should dominate him. Getting him at odds against for a shot on target look, looks fair. And he's a big game player as we know. And Stinch take us home. Yeah, over four point five cards. Now let's head to the German Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund unbeaten so far in the German top flight as they head to Eintracht Frankfurt. And Stinch Dortmund got a great result in midweek at Newcastle. Yeah, it's um, this game. I'm actually going to take a bit of a risk and and oppose a goal-heavy game, which might be a bit mad seeing as we've been waxing lyrical about goals in the Bundesliga. But I just think this is a this is a good spot to oppose a goal line that is set at three. Um, when we look at the teams involved, um, Frankfurt 
they lost their three top goal scorers from last season in Moani, Kamada and Lindstrom. That's 31 of their, their 58 goals. And if you look at them so far this season, that's that's been more than reflected. Seven of their eight games have gone under 2.5 goals. They're not scoring any, but they're also not conceding many either. Um, they spent a lot of money um, on youthful replacements. And I think we've discussed this as well. Like, you know, if you buy youth, you're not necessarily going to get the consistency. So I think... Yeah. We're going to have to wait and see a bit more. But, you know, you watch them and I think they lack a bit of confidence in the final third as well. Uh, and then for Dortmund, actually, if you look at them across both Bundesliga and Champions League, seven of their 11 games have gone under 2.5 goals. And, you know, this is kind of backed up by the the data as well, that these two are top five for the fewest expected goals conceded, um, top eight for fewest shots conceded. So I'm going to take under three goals here, around about uh, 1.8. So obviously it'd be a push if there's exactly three goals. But I'm also going to back Dortmund as well um, because they're out at 13 to 10. And I think that's quite big considering Frankfurt's problems in front of goal. Um, so I'm going to back Dortmund minus a quarter here, around about evens on the exchange. I think if you look at Frankfurt so far this season, they've had a rather soft fixture list. Um, they haven't played any of the top five so far. And I think that might be what holding the price up a little bit is the fact that the market maybe is aware that Frankfurt are struggling to score, but they're looking at their you know their good defensive record. Um, but as I say, it's not really been tested. Um, you know they're playing Europa Conference League football, um, not coming up against anyone of of a, of a tough nature there either. So I think I want to get Dortmund on side when you look at the fact that Frankfurt are averaging the fewest shots per game in the league. You know rock bottom. They're third bottom for expected goals for. And Dortmund are conversely doing really well uh, in terms of chance creation. They're the, they are posting the third most shots and the fourth most expected goals for. So, um, yeah, I'm envisaging a tight game and I think Dortmund can nick maybe the, the odd goal or, or two and obviously money back, uh, sorry, half stakes back if it finishes in a draw. Mark, you started your Premier League treble on the Saturday show. So you've got two more selections for us yeah do you want them both now together yes please sure okay we'll start at Anfield when Liverpool host uh, Nottingham Forest I'm going to bat Liverpool to win and over 1.5 goals uh, they weren't at their best against Everton uh, they did rack up a very high shot count but I think they made heavy weather of that match overall um, I know we didn't suggest it would be a complete walkover but um, Everton did provide plenty of turbulence I think Liverpool will be better not having to play that Merseyside derby. Um, I think that game always kind of brings out the worst in their performance in, in the final third. So Forest themselves, I think, um, can be awkward opponents, but they've provided fair resistance to Man City, Arsenal and Manchester United on the road already this season. Yet they still have lost all three of those fixtures and conceded twice or more in all three of those games as well. So, you know, I've talked about it quite regularly now on the, on the podcast about Liverpool's Anfield record in the Premier League. I go across the last six seasons... They've only lost once in front of their home supporters when there has been a crowd. Uh, they're already four from four at Anfield this season. Forrest may have a one-year back, but um, I still think they're going to have to work incredibly hard to try and contain the Liverpool side who, when they get going, can score two, three, four, five against almost any opponent. So, yeah, I expect Liverpool to score twice and win the game. And I'm going to do the same with Aston Villa against Luton, which would bring around uh, a treble of 13 to 10, 2.3. That's Arsenal and over one and a half, Liverpool and over one and a half, and Aston Villa and over one and a half, which I think is quite attractive at 13 to 10. It's not often the fixtures will kind of stack up in this way and you get three very strong home favourites. 
So I'm going to get involved. Villa, we talked about last week, now 11 home wins on the spin. They've scored twice or more in 10 of those. They've won 13 of 17 at home in the Premier League under Unai Emery. They've averaged 2.47 goals per game in that 17-game sample. Exclude penalties and they've generated 1.84 expected goals at home this season. And they've beaten a variety of different sides and tactical setups comfortably and confidently as well. So Luton, obviously head here, looking to try and keep things tight. I think that's a tall order. They have conceded in every game. They've conceded twice or more in three or five away. And they've taken just one point against teams outside of the bottom six. They're giving up 1.89 non-penalty expected goals per game. And just, I find it hard to see them contain the likes of Watkins, Diaby, Zaniolo, Cash, Louise, McGinn. There's so many threats in this Villa side. They've been a real breath of fresh air to watch. And I expect them to win this game relatively comfortably. Now, we know injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and they've got 90-minute payouts to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result. As it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. We're going to take it to Serie A now. Inter take on Roma in the Jose Mourinho derby, although he did get himself sent off. Uh, last weekend against Monza for uh, usual Mourinho behaviour late in the game. Ever into look ever so sharp at the moment. I know they weren't amazing against Salzburg in the Champions League in midweek, but they still won. Lautaro's in double figures already in terms of Serie A goals. And Roma, even before Mourinho, had a real problem against the big hitters in Serie A. Exactly, as you said there. I think as well, Roma, sorry, interested players in midweek anticipation of this game. So DeMarco, is, who's like, I think, one of the best players in his position in the world. Um, Mark, Marcus Marcus Thram, Thram was arrested as well. So I think they've, the kind of, I think the inter squad is really kind of, I think, sh- sh- showing, sh- sh- showing its worth I think they're they're clearly the best team in Serie A I think they're as as, as we kind of tip them anti-post I think they're a live Champions League contender and whereas Roma kind of look at to me on the verge of a kind of a classic Mourinho third season collapse where he kind of blows himself up and and he's kind of and, and, and he's and, and he's potentially sacked mid-season or, or at the end of the season I think um, it's kind of also as well it's uh, he's not being helped by Roma aren't being helped by having three of their best players out, out with injury Tammy Abraham did d- his cruciate ligament, uh, Lorenzo P- P- Pellegrini and Paolo Dybala are, 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 will both be absent for this match. So I think that's just it's a huge amount of Roma's kind of a, a attacking threat taking out and are kind of heavily reliant on the kind of uh, the, the the return the, the the return of Romelu Lukaku to to San Siro and kind of him him notching goal against his former side. He's so going to be really popular. I think they're going to give him a really warm welcome. I'm pretty convinced Inter fans will welcome him back with open arms. None of that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was. I heard something the other day. They're they're flying, giving a particularly hot reception. But I, yeah. So I, I, if you add in all that, add it to all that, Rome will have a Europa League game on Thursday, which they'll probably take at least semi seriously. So I think like you've the kind of team like the. Oh, there's a huge amount of negatives kind of surrounding Roma. You mentioned their kind of record against against the top sides as well. And given all of that, I think I think all, all points to a really comfortable Inter win. I expect Inter to be shorter than one point six seven here on the exchange. But if you're going to back them, I'd look maybe back them. If you're back a sportsbook customer, back them minus one on the handicap. But if you're if you're back in the exchange, I back the uh, Inter minus minus three quarters. And finally, let's go to Norway. Of course, Norway with Mark O'Hare. Yeah, just uh, five rounds left of the Elite Serene season. Um, 
and Molder, who were the champions, defending champions, have easily sort of surrendered their title. Uh, they won the league by 18 points last year, but uh, they've had a, a really tough campaign. They had a horrendous start. They never really recovered from it. They did play some good football between May and October, but they've since uh, lost in the last two weekends and have therefore surrendered that title. They lost at home to Bodo, who probably will win their crown back. And then they lost at Bran, who are a decent team in this league. So they've dropped down to fifth. They're now seven points shy of Tromso, who are fourth going into the weekend, uh, which means they're battling it out for the final European qualification place, which would be an enormous achievement for a Tromso team who performed well, like way above pre-season expectations and they haven't fallen away yet and they don't look like they're going to because last week they won a really dramatic game at Viking, effectively ending Viking's own title hopes. Uh, they've already won away at Bodo as well. They have the second best away record in the division. They've also got the best defensive record in the division. They are a very tough nut to crack. Um, they tend to relish matches against games against teams who will try and take a front foot approach. Uh, they have trouble... Teams have trouble against them breaking down their deep line defence. They like to play on the counter-attack transitions, set pieces, you know, kind of like Brentford, basically, in the Premier League. And they're very organised, very difficult to penetrate. And that's reflected in the fact they've lost just six games all season. And just one of those defeats was by a margin of two goals or more. So this is going to be tough for Mulder, um, who lost the reverse game in Tromso. They're coming into this game, obviously, at a low ebb domestically. But uh, they're also involved in Europa Conference League, action on Thursday night uh, against a Swedish team, which will take all focus this week, uh, especially considering the domestic campaign is is more or less over for them. So perhaps a little bit of fatigue, perhaps a lack of focus will play their part here. But uh, I think Tromso plus one on the Asian handicap at 195 is well worth a look. Uh, if they do go down, I'd be very surprised if they lost this game by more than a two-goal margin because I just do not see Mulder having their heads in the game for this one. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember all of our shows now on YouTube on Betfair's new non-racing channel. So make sure you like the channel and subscribe from Berber, from Mark, from Stinch, from Emmett and indeed from me. It's goodbye for now.